in a world driven by selfies and social media, where empathy and entrepreneurs are considered contradictory. One podcast has set out to put empathy back in the boardroom by hearing from the best entrepreneurs around the world. Empathize It will hear from the leaders of the digital economy and learn how the soft skills drive their business. This is the Empathize It podcast. Okay, so good morning, Ari Lewis. How are you? I'm doing well today. Thanks so much for having me on. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, I usually start with introducing the the guest, uh, but this time I'm going to do it a little differently only because I loved your recent article that I saw. So I'm going to do it a little differently and start with the the way um, the the article itself, the title of the article, which was basically only only fans, porn, and Apple strategy. Uh, (laughs) That was the essay that you wrote. And if anyone hasn't read it yet, I'll send a link in the um, podcast summary. I know OnlyFans, a lot of people who are on uh, Instagram might, might be familiar with it. Also, you, in, in that article, you also talked about Avenue Q. Um, and so I'm going to give a funny story before I start my asking how you got this connection. Uh, my funny story is that when my first year of marriage, my wife and I decided to take my in-laws and my, and my in-laws parent, uh, grand, uh, that is my in-laws father, uh, grandparents, so my wife's grandparents, uh, to Avenue Q. Of course, I was embarrassed as hell because I had to explain all the jokes, but it was a little, a little weird, a little awkward. But um, for me, that was great. I love the video. I love the play, everything like that. Uh, but you had like something about, you had something that kind of frames it in a different kind of sense, not just about the porn. And, you know, and I so wanted to know, how did you make that connection between all those different things? Yeah, sure. So um, I've actually never seen the play before, um, oh, okay. but I knew the song. I don't know okay. why. Um, I, I think it was, um, just, you know, I, I listened to a lot of music and, um, you know, growing up in, in New York, um, obviously very familiar with Broadway and, and like Avenue Q was on my list. Um, and, and hopefully when I'm back in New York next, I'll, I'll be able to, 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 uh, see it, but sort of, you know, my whole connection and, and making it happen and, um, was that, you know, I think that a lot of innovation, um, is, is typically driven, and I've written about this in the past, from, you know, the pornography industry or from the defense industry, so, so meaning government. Um, you know, I, I don't know moving forward if that's going to be the case, but, but previously that, that's been the case. And I sort of laid out the, the argument, you know, things such as like Betamax versus VHS was something that was, was because of the pornography industry. But, you know, I sort of had this thesis that OnlyFans um, – where they're and and they're not an adult only website right they 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 have other categories as well right and you know when cardi b joined them i think that was sort of a signal to the world that oh look this isn't just about you know adult film stars this is could be a mainstream site and i think what was even funnier is like six hours after i published that article apple announced a quote-unquote fan club and yes, they were not using OnlyFans, but I think sort of what I was trying to drive home with that article is that I think we'll see companies begin to introduce fan clubs as a way to uh, build loyalty um, among their customers and offer exclusives, right? So it's a differentiator. You know, I think you'll see this a lot with clothing companies where, you know, you can be a member of our club, right? Amazon Prime in many ways is, is sort of that. I don't think people look at it that way. There's a, there's a startup called Italic 
that is doing, um, you know, member only uh, clothing. And I think that's a really good model because it, it sort of builds brand loyalty and is a way to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. So I was, you know, sort of how I just connected it all together. I was like, this is something that, you know, I think brands should be doing. I think this is something that like, if you think about Amazon Prime, um, it's, it's something that Amazon Prime is doing and then people just don't look at it and, and as a fan club. They look at it as sort of like a way that they're saving money on Amazon. Right. So they're, you're saying is they're basically brands who are big enough are going to start building, even small brands are going to start doing is building that strong community by calling it whatever it was, what Amazon Prime is basically like pay for a service, which is, you know, exclusive, quote unquote. But most people, like you said, view it more of like a, just like a, uh, an add on. They're just like, yeah, sure. For an extra couple of bucks a year, I can do this. Great. But they don't view it as uh, unlike Nike or other companies where they're like, why should I join a Nike club or something like that? But if you look at it from the perspective of we're building a community, we're customizing, personalizing, whatever you want to call it, it changes the perspective. This one, OnlyFans, I would say is you're right. It's a little bit different uh, in that because of the way it was perceived before Cardi B kind of joined, it was different. So people would be like, well, this is not for us, right? Because everyone else on that was really more of a, let's call it in the adult industry. But you, I think now that you put it with Apple, it kind of puts perspective back into the other side, which is that Apple's doing it. So now everyone else can do it too. They're kind of giving it the right and the, um, and the authority of saying is we can do these kind of community things. And that's really the direction of where we should be going. Is that, is that understand that? Yeah, that's correct. And I, I think, um, you know, another thing that sort of happened that's made these fan communities possible is sort of the shift from retail to e-commerce. So right when brands didn't, you know, own their, um, all their distribution, if you think about retail, um, right, you know, and I'm just going to use Costco, probably not the best example, but like if, if someone was selling, a brand was selling something at Costco, right, they don't control that whole experience. Right. When you're buying through an e-commerce website, you control that whole experience. Right. So, you know, that exclusivity is, um, makes it makes it doable to, to have that fan club because you sort of control um, every aspect of the customer's experience. Yeah. So now I'm going to go take one step back, which I usually don't do, but I usually do it at the beginning, but we're going to go talk about who is Ari Lewis. So I have the bio here that you say is that you're the co-founder of Green Block Group, which is a strategic community for communications firm and Ohio X, which I want to hear more about in a second. And you focus mostly on the attention economy, which I think is in a great, I love that title. Um, and you focus on helping brands grow their audience by leveraging earned and owned media. So that's pretty niche, yet it's also like very broad. How'd you get to that kind of, um, th that idea? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, my partner and I, um, and he was the uh, former chief of staff for the Ohio treasurer's office. So he, so he spent a lot of time in politics and, and doing communications. Um, we, we, ran, we run a strategic communications firm. And, um, you know, when quarantine hit, I, I sort of just decided to write more. Um, I was writing once a month for Cranes Cleveland, which is a, a business newspaper in Cleveland. And just decided I'm going to write twice a week. So I started writing twice a week um, when the pandemic um, started. And I've been writing like three months now. I think I started writing in, in May, um, like really like more, more, more in fall. And um, been was trying to figure out what my niche was. Um, but sort of where I noticed my expertise was in was in earned and owned media. I also don't think a lot of people are familiar with with those terms if you're not in mm -hmm. traditional marketing, right? Like right. you think like earned media, you know, I think the regular person would say, oh, PR. Right. Um, and, and sort of I read this book, um, 
The Attention Merchants by Tim Wu, where he talked about the attention economy. And I sort of really dove deep into that about this, you know, concept of, you know, attention is, is you know, quote unquote, a highly valued commodity. Like what, what can, what can, you know, marketers do, brand strategy people do, but also from a psychological point of view, what can we do to capture attention, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's just so much information overflow out there. So, you know, I really just have spent a lot of time investing and thinking about how brands can capture that attention and, you know, capture that attention and grow their audience. So, um, you know, and, and I, I, I leave out paid because I, I just don't do paid ads. I don't know how to do it. It's not in something that I've ever specialized in. So a lot of my focus is it's really just earned and owned. Um, so, so that's sort of, you know, how I got into it. Um, and then as I've started writing, doing the podcast, it's just grown and I've been really lucky that, you know, I've had a following and that people are attracted to my work. Yeah. You do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of your, your earned media and from what I'm seeing based on what, uh, based on Twitter, it's a lot of it is not only the, a, the writing that's been very good and consistent, but also it's about the kind of taking other people's writings or, you know, posts or thoughts and creating some sort of threads about threads through the, about the topic. So it gives a little bit more, you know, detail about the person's you know a short thought or whatever it is and then obviously you're re- putting it repurposing it back into some sort of greater article that you're writing twice a week so that's what i see right i mean you've been amazing at writing like really great summaries about people's thoughts and podcasts and not on your own but also articles and things like that and really brings out like the highlights the, str- the strong points it's kind of funny that i interviewed yesterday i introduced J- uh, jason uh, Schulweiss from Morning Brew, and he was saying that they, that's what they do. They, they do the same thing in their newsletter, which is basically take, you know, curated content that exists already, curated in some sort of witty, snarky, slash funny way, and then put it into an into a newsletter, which is getting seen with a readership, with a you know, open open rate of about uh, 40 to 42% the free one. And so I was, and now that I'm talking to you, I'm saying the same kind of thing where you're doing just on Twitter, which is short quick to the point threads that are really detailed experienced you know solid on point so that's really impressive um it's really good so i I enjoy them when i get to see them i don't always get to see them but i really enjoy them um you've been quoted in the wall street journal that's impressive financial time for business insider uh, what did you get quoted for? What was that kind of like? Those yeah. Really like top journal kind of things. Sure. So my previous life, I was in crypto mm-hmm. and I've sort of like gotten out of crypto in the past six months to a year, but, but I would write daily about cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. crypto markets. So I was Why'd you move out of crypto. I wasn't for me anymore. I didn't like it. Wasn't, wasn't my passion. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, so I was quoted in the wall street journal a bunch of times talking about like crypto markets um, and it's funny, a lot of the skills that I learned from that are sort of the same skills I'm levering, levering for what I'm doing now. So, right, like crypto, um, I used to run a daily newsletter in the crypto space and a lot of reporters used to read it. So they would reach out to me about something I would write and then they would, you know, write a story about it. Oh, cool. So you're just, so, cool. so you're same. just taking, yeah, same thing. You're just taking your articles and turning people's attention to it. Um, so... My question to you is, um, you know, you, we're going to talk about, not talk about why you moved to out of crypto because being, if it's not passionate, it's out of the door. Um, I agree with that. I think it's really important to find the things that you really enjoy and kind of move your way towards that. Um, what I usually do when I try to get to know people better besides just like seeing their tweets is also, 
you know, seeing how there's, you know, the flow of tweets besides just your streams or your threads, but see what people are talking about. So one of them that you mentioned recently is investing is hard, building and selling a course is hard, but figuring out how to do add value and people will pay you. It might be something as simple as consulting. What did you mean by that? Yeah, sure. So um, I think, right, there's like this bubble that's happening where all these folks are, you know, trying to build a course. They are trying to do a paid newsletter and like, you know, being in Cleveland, Ohio is a great perspective because it sort of gets me outside that Twitter bubble. And like the reality is 99% of the world has not heard of Substack, right? 99% of the world has not heard of Teachable. And, you know, when I think about paid products, I go, how can I get someone in Cleveland, Ohio to pay for my newsletter? And, you know, the reality is that I'm not sure that that's possible. Um, that's not, that's not a, a slight on me. I think that's a slight on a lot of the, the newsletters out there. Um, you know, yes, Stratechery has done a great job. I know there's one in biotech drawing a blank on its name, but you know, for the most part, it, it's going to be a grind to really build out this $20 a month newsletter. Now, I, I think where there are opportunities where I don't think a lot of people are looking is, you know, um, doing more of like, whether it's WebSmith's 2PM model or even moving way more up market to something like a Forrester or a GLG um, where, or a Gartner's another example and, and selling, you know, these same types of like content products, but in the enterprise. So, you know, you can sell a, a paid newsletter or paid research um, that's commoditized or I shouldn't say commoditized, but productized and you sell it for $10,000 a year you know, right. That's so much easier. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, 50, 50 customers, uh, right. opposed to, uh, that 50, 50, that's 50 individual customers opposed right. to just that one, one customer. And it's much easier customer. probably to do it because you're really focused on your audience, whether it's whatever audience it may be, it's much easier to focus on that than to try to find the, like you said, the person sitting in Cleveland, Ohio, who wants to, who may not know who you are and try to get their attention to really you know, sign up to your newsletter that might be super relevant, but unless they've heard of you, like you said, through the Twitter bubble, it's kind of hard to get them. It's kind of, I have that same problem, you know, living here in Israel, I had that problem where, you know, like you said, this Twitter world is nice and cute and whatever, but it's hard for people beyond that to kind of say, is, who is this guy besides my circle of friends, whether it's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever it is, but it's hard for them to, you know, bring that next level up of people and attention it's not so easy to do, even though you may make noise and you may talk a lot, you may tweet a lot, but people might not go beyond that next step. And that, that is, you know, that how do you get someone to say, I, I want to get attention. I want them to get my attention. It's not that as easy as people may think it, think it be, I think, I think it is, excuse me. Um, so uh, now I'm going to ask another question about tweets, because I think this is a really good way to understand people's philosophy. Um, uh, you say something about, uh, I happen to be, uh, I, I, I you know, toe the line about Gary Vaynerchuk, even though I think he's a great marketer and whatever. Uh, but you said as Vaynerchuk overcame a lot to business, his business empire, but he also started with a several million dollar uh, family business. So what, what do you have to say about that? You mentioned something like that. I know my opinion about the matter, but I'm not. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's funny. I actually think Gary Vaynerchuk's advice is, is not bad. Like I actually don't think he gives bad advice. I think the problem is that he sells advice into groups of people that um, are are sort of hopeless in many ways, or or people that like he's scamming. Like I, I feel very comfortable saying that with him, and that he's doing like these you know elaborate presentations, and there's just so much 
marksmanship about it and marketing and what he's doing is not like he's like a a motivational speaker and he he hates that word you know he does not want to be branded a motivational speaker but he is a motivational speaker um and and I, i think you know what people tend to forget is like he had a huge advantage going into it. He already had, you know, his first business was a multi-million dollar wine business. Now, yes, I be the first to say like, it's hard to go from like multi-million dollar to like he sold it for multiples of where he started. Without a right. doubt, like good for him, congrats. Right. Um, but like, it's something to be considered when he's talking about like, oh, let's hustle. You know, you got to grind it out and hustle. Like he never grinded it out hustle. He didn't, he wasn't homeless. He wasn't, you know, this guy who started with nothing and built out a billion dollar empire, he already had, you know, that first part of the puzzle solved. So um, I just think it's a bit misleading that, you know, he talks about these things when he himself hasn't lived it and makes it appear like he has. It would be one thing if he's saying like, oh, I didn't do this, but like, this is how you got out of it. But he makes it appear and he gives off that impression that he's done those types of things yeah I, that's I my, that's my really opinion with it. i have two my two, my issue with that is also the same thing i believe the same thing i say you know he's pa- painting the story as if he was working his, you know, his ass off the whole time but he wasn't um it's nice to know that he was selling baseball cards and he was selling whatever and he took flowers from here and there whatever it is but and sell you know sells neighbors flowers and whatever but the truth is you know i don't think his again i don't know him so i'm not Discredit. I'm not saying one thing, or one thing or another, but I don't necessarily think he had the hardest life. You know, like you said, he didn't grow up in the projects. He didn't grow up in the hood, knowing what or when his next meal was coming from or whatever it is. He may have had a tough, you know, raising, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't unbearable. Uh, and I think that one part of it is the other thing is it's it's hard to, you know, it's hard to distill his 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 content when you know I don't. Again, I don't. I'll put the cursing aside because he's really gotten better over the years about it. Actually, he used to be much more uh, foul about it. But, um, but that being said, um, you know, to me, it's just like this. You, know, you you have to understand his his philosophy is like you said, a motivational. You know, it can be done kind of thing. Um, and you just have to make sure that it's not taken from the wrong context. And just saying is, oh yes, everyone can do it. It can be done. It's not easy, and the grind is there. But we also have to look at saying is maybe we have to understand who he is his content as a context as well all right so now i'm going to ask you another question um about you said something about the peanut commercial what did you like what did you hate oh yeah i just i thought that was a clever piece of marketing um, which was where they sort of went from like he's a nine-month-old peanut to he's 21 um, I, I just thought that was clever creative. Um, yeah, I mean, we know, you know uh, that Gary Vaynerchuk was behind that one in the Super Yeah, I, 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 I actually did know that because I read the, the Marker article. And right. I, I don't know if he did that, the, 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 the one they just released. But no, I, I, don't think, I think he was involved it. in the Super Bowl component of it. I don't think he was um, like, right. But, but, but like, if we're being honest too, like his agency was involved. Like right. I'm very skeptical that he like did the creative on that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right. I think but, I think he's beyond that part of, of the. Of yeah, the um, but I thought it was clever creative. I do think um, those are like the types of things you really have to do though to to sort of you know, and it's why I say capturing attention because, right. you know, like they they did a good publicity stunt and and I think you know they're back on the map with 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 with. Uh, you know, where they're going with that character. So I, I think that was clever. And I think that was a smart use of, you know, social. Absolutely. 
Uh, okay, so now I'm going to get back to something I mentioned. I kind of gave you some, uh, you know, praise about your tweet, your Twitter threads. Uh, but why did you start using that that medium, and why did you get, you know, really moving into that direction? I, I can I can come up with some ideas, but why did you, you know, decide to frame conversations that way in Twitter versus just say, you know what, I see these things, I'll cut paste them, put them into an article, and then prefer back to them that way. Yeah, I wish I could tell you that there was some magical plan. I, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I just sort of did, started doing it. Um, I think I started doing it with Matt Kobach. Uh-huh. Um, and I, he like retweeted my thread when I first did it. I was like, wow, I went viral. And by the way, right. like I didn't go viral. I thought that was like my version of going viral. Right. I had like 60, like, or right. 60 retweets and like 200 likes and likes. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And now like, I think on a, a, like every day I get like a tweet that has at least like 100 right. likes or something. So, so, um, you know, now, now I've also learned what going viral is where I, I, I don't think I've gone like Twitter viral yet, but I've gotten into like outside of my realm of right. like virality where I had like 2,500 likes on a tweet and, and a, yeah, that's like usually that's thousand uh, retweets. Yeah. There's a book by uh, Scott Stratton on marketing. He says viral, every person viral is different, right? It's your circle of, it could be your circle of if you have a hundred followers and you're, you get to 500, that's viral for you. Cause you're just like, whoa, exploded. So every version. So viral is, has different meanings for every person and every company and every brand. And we just have to make sure that what we're, our goal, when you say viral, it means, you know, even though I, I don't even use the word, actually, I try not to use the word, but uh, except for really when we're talking about like a virus. Um, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that was, you know, how do we get at that? What, that's what he kind of says. How do you expand your circle or how do you get beyond the circle that most people would see in doing something like this, which is, um, yeah, that's exactly the kind of, um, you know, conversation with direction he was talking about. Um, it's a really interesting, they have a really interesting podcast conversation if you ever want to listen to something. It's called Unhealthy. I'll check it out. It's called Unmarketing. It's got like a whole philosophy. Um, okay, so when you're doing your work with your, um, you know, your communications, your strategic communication, com communications firm, and you're doing mostly work with what kind of companies? Are there specific kind of companies or anything? Yeah, so so our consulting work and, and is, is sort of pretty small. A lot of our focus is really more on our trade association. Um, we we you know we want to we're sort of in the process of of productizing what we're doing, and then you know I think I'll start pushing it more. Um, right now, a lot of the clients we work with are like startups or mid-sized companies. Um, you know, companies ranging from like ten employees to like five hundred employees. Um, you know. But what we'd like to do is sort of, you know, get out of that tactical consulting, which I think we've really done um, and, and do more towards coaching and strategy work. Um, so, so I'll, you know, in the next few weeks, have some updates on that, um, that, that I'm working on. Um, and I've sort of been talking to different marketers or brand strategy and founders about, um, but but, you know, the trade association is really a lot more of my focus. And we work with, you know, our members range from startups to Fortune 500s. Cool. Um, so, so we're really working with, you know, everyone. And what Ohio X is, is really, that's the trade kind of thing? Yeah. So, so, yeah. So what Ohio X is in short for, for, for the, you know, we describe it as Ohio's Technology and Innovation Partnership. But what that just means is we're the Chamber of Commerce for Tech in Ohio. So we represent the tech industry in Ohio, and um, that that's a, a large part of our focus. And you work with you're basically any company or startup that's looking to 
whether it gains you know, communications, acknowledge or work with the actual startups, you just kind of, instead of them, you having to pitch to them, they kind of come to you. So, so there's three reasons people join the association. Um, one, we're like a media company. So we put out four pieces of content a week and we are, you know, showcasing the innovation and technology happenings of Ohio in Ohio. Second, we do events and networking. So that's pretty self-explanatory right now during COVID we're doing virtual events, but we're connecting people as well. And um, lastly, we, we do advocacy. Uh So, um, you know, most people have heard the word lobbying, but we advocate um, on behalf of our members for positions and policies um, that will, will affect industry. So, so our members really are, you know, it could be anyone with a presence in Ohio. So, you know, like AT&T, which, you know, global telco, telco companies, a member. Um, But then we also have like a startup, right? We have this company called MedPilot that's a member. We have this company called Ondacare. It's a one person startup. We have, um, we also have mid-sized companies. We have, you know, this company called ID Images. I think they have like 50 to 100 employees. Other company, Maker Year. And representing that means that you're, but you don't actually do client work for them. It's more just not necessarily client work. It's more just uh, helping them understand what the state of Ohio offers to them in terms of technology or ha- grants or whatever. So that, that's one aspect of it. Yeah. We're not doing client work for them. We okay. represent like the group's interest. Right. And this okay. is, I don't know if this is common in other oh, we have that. We, but... we, we do have one in Israel. We definitely have it where we have each, I mean, in Jerusalem, there's a very big one, very strong community like that. That's doing just that. It's, it's actually not even, I don't even think it costs it's a nonprofit organization. You don't have to call it by default. As soon as you're not a startup, you are, you're automatically involved, involved in it, but you don't have to pay for it. If you want to give a donation, that's nice, but it doesn't have to be. Um, but the idea is the same thing. You know, they have events, they have advocacy on behalf of the startup ecosystem as a whole. And then people can also offer, uh, you know, you have, you know, they can use that as a way to kind of get, bring in the larger companies like a Google or like an IBM to kind of work with the whole ecosystem as opposed to, you know, every startup trying to knock on their door kind of thing. Yeah. So we, um, as a, uh, association, you know, we're, we're helping, um, that's, that's like one aspect, um, is, 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 is connecting, you know, our members with like government policies or making them aware of it, but it's, it's also just a private sector awareness thing. And, you know, this might be an Ohio specific thing, but a lot of people aren't really familiar with the Ohio tech scene. Um, because Ohio is, is a state that is very much a manufacturing state, or at least in the past has been a manufacturing state. Um, and, you know, people think tech, they think New York, they think Silicon Valley, you know, right. SF, LA, Seattle, um, Boston, and, and, you know, we want them to think Ohio. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, cool. That's great. That's a really good, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome to see how, you know, cities, I've read a lot of articles in I think it's in Fast Company, Inc. They do it a lot of it. They highlight different um, cities. I think uh, maybe Ohio was, but I don't remember. Recently, they kind of recent, recently have focused on you know each month they take a different city or every couple of months they take a different city that's kind of growing on their startup industry and start like you know entrepreneurship kind of thing and show what's so attractive about that city, whether it's the food, the scene, the people, the young, you know the cost of living, those kind of things. Uh, so so I, I happen to find that that hunger, that desire to like really grow as a city, not just as another company, which everyone wants to grow their company, but as a city and as a state, it's important for, to kind of, to bring it all together. So people feel that there's like, it's not just them working hard, but rather it's the, you know, the whole 
you know, in this case, the state is really trying to get them the best interest and bring more attention to them so that they'll, by default, it will work. You know, it's also a, there's a brief, some sort of reciprocity. You're working hard to build your company. We're helping you, you build your community, not just that. We got it brings, brings back, us back to that original question, which, or statement that you said, which is really companies are bringing, building communities. Here's the, the state is building the community of startups and companies within Ohio to bring them back, back on the map. Um, what was, what would you kind of say is when you're doing your work in whatever, you know, aspect you're doing, the focus I like to focus always on is like the softer skills, right? Not just the conversation about numbers, sales, you know, specific markets, but rather the softer skills that happen that people like that, for, you know, face-to-face, -face, or in this case nowadays, you know, that, you know, face-to-face -face online, whatever it is, but it's more like the human connection. What is it about your work that you do on day-to-day -day -day that you find that the softer skills are really important? Um, yeah, call it so, empathy for like the lack of a better term, but yeah. Yeah, so I think in marketing and, and, and in branding and, and really selling any type of product, um, yeah, empathy is such an important skill set. You really need to understand um, what, what the customer's buying and a lot of the times they're buying not a product, but a feeling. And, you know, this is something that's really important to understand. And, you know, I, you know, I think Mad Men's such a great show. And I think a lot of like what I've learned is actually from that show, believe it or not. And, you know, I know Don Draper always talks about the concept of like, you know, happiness and like you're buying happiness. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that is, you know, you're like you're buying them like i have this yeti microphone i'm using right and i'm not buying a yeti microphone because um you know i need a microphone i'm buying a yeti microphone because i'm buying into the idea that i need to sound better for society right. and if i sound better people will like me more right and that that's what they're really selling right and and you know i don't know if yeti does a good job at that like i just knew i was gonna buy this right but, like i, I was the looking same, at I the same one just in silver so yeah yeah <laughs> so like if i was looking at using buying microphones right like i would be selling the concept of oh this isn't such a great technology product you sound better and right. people will like you more because you sound better right and that's the shift that i think a lot of people need to understand and that's such an important soft skill to understand is it's really important and you use the word empathy to get what the person's really buying right um awesome so well, I, you know, I have a list of questions for you and I wrote down and one of the things I wrote in like big bold is like, I hope we can get to some of these questions. So we'll see if we can get to one or two more and then we'll cut it. Uh, cut it. Um, when you were, you obviously took a, a career shift recently. Um, what is the one thing that when you're looking at yourself and looking back and yesterday I was speaking when I was speaking to Jason, he said, you know, he, he not only does he, did he collect dots, he called them, he connects the dots, right? He connected the dots of his life and showing how he kind of put things together and really helped shape his you know his future uh but what is it now that you're looking back a little bit and saying is what is it that you decided that these are um you know i don't want to say lessons that you could have said it was like had i known this earlier on i would have been more mindful about it like you know lessons that you would have learned at the beginning of your career and you're like wow i could have done that or i should have done that maybe yeah. It's so funny. Like I, and this is one of the questions I actually asked my podcast guests. I'm like, what is, you know, one thing you would do differently or there's one, one lesson you do differently. And, and something I don't share with those guests that, that is my opinion on a lot of this is I actually don't um, have an answer to that question intentionally. 
I think that it's, it's a type of question that, you know, if, if you're able to change things, um, you know, you probably would be a different person and thus you wouldn't be where you are. Um, you know, a big fan of sci-fi movies and one of my favorite movies is Arrival. And, you know, they have this concept of flash forwardness and you should watch the movie, but I don't want to ruin it for people because it's an amazing movie. But one of the questions they ask is, you know, if, if, if you knew, you know, your future in advance, would you change anything? And, um, you know, I, I think the characters really, like, they wouldn't change much. You know, the one answer they give is, like, I would say what's on my mind more. And notice it wasn't, like, I'd get rich or, like, I'd, it, it, it's something where, like, they realize how short life is. So, so I, you know, it's a bit of a cop-out answer, but the reality is I really wouldn't change anything. And I'm, I'm pretty open with who I am as a person. You know, I, I talk um, out loud and, and, and say my thoughts. So... So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't, I don't have an answer for that. I think it's, yeah. it's, you know, the, the lessons that, oh, the true, mystics, true, that yeah. made have shaped me. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's probably the right answer. I mean, and the answer is that I can't recreate, I don't, I can't re, you know, go back on the past, right? I can't, but I, if I knew something like, like you said, is I'd be more mindful maybe uh, because if I knew what was going to happen in the future, then I would be in a different state and I'd probably be a billionaire. Uh, right. So that's probably the correct <laughs> answer to the question there. Um, so, we've spoken about how like you really do look at things as like uh, as companies and brands and really trying to build that, uh, build out that community and build out like that idea of like clubs or something, you know, build clubs and communities, whatever you want to call it, fan communities, um, especially in that shift. Uh, I'm sure that you're working with the companies that you're working with in terms of your clients are probably telling them also that direction you're shifting them towards that direction so they can bake it into their marketing. I hope that's what you're doing. Um, I'm guessing, am I right? So, so I'd say um, that's a lot of like what we're doing with Ohio X. Ohio X, we're really trying to um, build into a community and, and build that all together. I would say with our clients, um, a lot of what we're doing is more tactical in nature. Like we're helping a, a, a firm with their PR, we're helping a firm with their employee branding strategy, helping another company with PR, um, helping another company with social strategy. So, um, you know, if, if, if we were doing more like really high level strategic stuff, um, the answer is probably, I actually do think with some of the clients we work with that actually isn't a strategy that I would, I would necessarily recommend okay, um, good. for them because um, like we, we have a company that's like more industrial in nature yeah. and like they don't really like no one in that customer base cares about community. It's right. Like, right who cares <laughs> cool that makes sense no that's all right um yeah it's a, a but a good a good insight as to what maybe not everyone needs that kind of community you know whatever you want to call it of uh that building that that, that fan base because a lot of times in industry especially in the industry industrial space it's much more like very niche and very like there's no one new coming into that usually there's usually not many new people coming in and then you don't have to really you know oh we have to start building community or whatever it's kind of people who have been doing this for a long time um last question i always ask this question when you're not writing twitter threads or writing your uh you know writing out your newsletter twice a week which i think is really ambitious but really impressive um because it's a solid b doing great work uh what is it that keeps ari lewis busy yeah so i think it surprises people i'm actually pretty like focus. So I have a lot of free time in the day. Um, so um, I have two hobbies primarily. Um, 
one, I, I referee soccer. Um, I wasn't doing that obviously for the pandemic, but but I'm starting to ref again. I have a game this Friday, so I'll be my first game I'm refing in like ten months or something like that. So wow. it'll be interesting. Um, but the way I've been keeping in shape is I bought a Peloton and I've oh, been cool. biking. What's your I output? Bike. Um, it varies. Um, like like I I I've 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 not done more than like a thirty minute bike ride so far. Okay. So like like the other day I did like a ten minute Tabata. So like right. you're talking like ninety. I think it was like 90, right? It's KJ. So it's like 90 kilojoule output. So it was like okay. not a high output, but I think it was right. a high output for that 10 minutes. So okay. I've just been like doing it stand shape. Um, I don't think I'm like crushing it, but I feel like I'm the fittest I've ever been in my life. Um, and, and um, I'm at the, I'm, I'm, I'm a person who needs to gain weight not lose weight. So I'm at the highest weight I've ever been in my life. I'm at like 187. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with, with everything. So yeah, just, I ref and I work out and, um, it's all right that's exciting. cool super being super focused and being able to do the things that you know you're enjoying which means that you're really getting deep into it, it gives you an opportunity to really you know do that do those things well which is great um so besides on twitter are there any other place i think twitter your podcast which is mostly on youtube right no i have a, it's on itunes as well we're actually ranked on itunes we uh we we i i think because in the beginning i was, I was sharing it on youtube um but but we're we're growing on uh, on on uh, iTunes, um, you know we're getting a, a few hundred downloads a week. Oh, I think it's great. like 300, 300 a week or something that's now. Solid. Um, that's a solid. That's a solid download. So so um, but we're doing two episodes a week. That's why. Okay. So so um, um, so we've been ranked like as high as like one hundred and thirty seven on on iTunes top marketing podcast. That's solid. So two I've been a week. Wow. pretty, pretty excited with, with, with how it's going. My sister produces it. So it's actually pretty easy for me. It takes me 20 minutes. My interviews <laughs> are only 20 minutes too. So um, it's pretty short and easy enough. That's cool. All right. So we find you on Twitter. We can find you on, on uh, iTunes, any other, and, and your newsletter, which we'll put out the link on afterwards. Anything else about, um, your new thoughts how did your new article potentially article come out yet or your new topic no i i like write them like the day before um so i, I typically what i'll do is i i am thinking of stuff throughout the week and then i set aside two hours and i just crank it out i think that's what people don't realize is like it only takes me two hours for an article um so i, I crank out about two, two in two hours 750 to a thousand words and okay man I mean, you read it, so yeah. I, I think it's pretty good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's solid, it's solid writing. <laughs> so, right, right. so it's, listen, it's it's your style. It's, everyone's got their style. Most of people are just a different kind of thing. But if you can do that in two hours, it's, it's really good. Yeah. So, 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 like my last article, um, yeah, it took me about like two hours, two and a half hours to write. Um, I will say I, I cheat a bit. My my mom is is my proofreader, so she edits. Um, <laughs> my wife is my proofreader, so she writes. Yeah. She helps me edit. <laughs> so so if I was proofreading, it would probably take three hours, but but right. because she proofreads, it takes two to two and a half. So. All right. Well, listen, being able to use you know friends. Some people take friends and families for investments, and some people take investments and in other kind of things. So. Um, so yeah, it's great. It's awesome that you're really being able to you know, leverage your resources and not have to cut, spend money on that stuff. It's great. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been really awesome. Cool. Um, so Ari, thank you so much for taking the time. Really great to hear about these, you know, these really interesting, you know, I love these threads that you've been putting together. I've really learned a lot from them to get to really see a lot of these stuff that a lot of people talk about when either not available or I just missed their conversation. Uh, so thank you for that. And also a lot to learn about, you know, how the shift, uh, I, I happen to agree 100%. 
Um, so I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate the invite. Take care. Bye. Be sure to sign up for the podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. And remember, the next time you're doing business in the digital economy, make sure to empathize it.